We are still in that series, Walking with God in the World. It's like this walk goes on a long time, doesn't it? (laughs) Peripateo. We are looking at you and the cross of Jesus. So this is uh, first Sunday of the month. We will celebrate the Lord's Table too, and that sort of ties together what we are what we are looking at. The cross is a symbol that people wear, put it on buildings. It indicates uh, Christ and his sacrifice for us so that it, just the emblem itself carries a lot of meaning. And for a lot of people, they like to decorate their homes with a lot of crosses so it becomes a whole wall of different shapes and just cool things that have been done with it. It is a uh, symbol that has crossed uh, generations, and and we're 2,000 years into this, so it's a big deal. Where I want to take you is back to that first century and the experience of those who had not heard of this yet. I mean, this is new. This is uh, coming into a relationship with God that is different than what they had known before. They had the temple. They had sacrifices. There were a lot of things going on, but then, then the cross shows up. They were dealing with, and, and this is for the people of, of Israel, a practice that God had set up with blood sacrifices, animal sacrifices, grain sacrifices. That certain times of the year, they had to just leave their businesses, their homes, their farms, and gather together, uh, whether the tabernacle or the temple, depending on the time in history that that was happening. And they had to gather together to worship the Lord, to remember Him, to lay aside their all their personal interests. There, three of those, they, they they wound up with some more, but uh, once a week, the seventh day, they're supposed to stop everything and worship him. Then three times a year, they've got a week that they set aside. Do you know how hard it is for people to say, I'm going to set aside a little bit of time for Jesus, for a quiet time, or you think three weeks, and then work around the three weeks so that you can have a vacation, or you go see the family. It's not during the three weeks. Those three weeks are his. Was that important? Yeah, he tells them when they're hauled away into Babylon that they're going to spend 70 years there and that's paying back the number of years that they didn't allow the land to lay fallow, unused, just allow to go back to nature because they didn't trust him. So he said, I'll just take you away. You didn't trust me to take those years and and just calm down and relax and let me show you who I am. So uh, what if I just take you away and uh, take you into captivity, separate you from the land. I'll give it 70 years break, and then you can come back. Wow. It was serious. When you take your favorite lamb with no spot, the perfect one, the one that would win grand champion at the fair. 
You bring that one. And it has to be personal. You've got to be up close and personal with this thing. And you've got to take your little friend to the temple. Hand that little friend to the priest who will then slit your little friend's throat, bleed your little friend out, and then burn your little friend on the altar for your sins. Nobody's coming at that going, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm really... No, the idea is you are that bad. There are issues at work in your life, and you are separated from God, and God is trying to come up with a way, and he did, so that you can have a relationship with him, and it cost a life. Blood. It's sacrificial. You've given your time. Now you've given your heart to this little creature. And now there are you know, times when people couldn't travel you know, miles and miles and bring, a, bring their land so they, they could buy them. That's what was happening when Jesus was running out money changers later on. But that they're still coming to sacrifice. They're still coming to honor God. There's still blood involved in this whole process. It is so serious that in Leviticus, we're told in Leviticus 17.9 that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So blood is involved. Blood means somebody, somebody's life, something's life. Is, it's going to cost that to deal with something in your life. Uh, for many of them, it's just going through the process and pretending and just like, Christians today, it's just meaningless, it's just something you do, it's an obligation, it's just, you know, maybe you think about it, but not much, and God is illustrating over and over again what that was like. So imagine you go into Jerusalem, they're one of these three major seasons of the year, The priests are super busy because they are sacrificing and sacrificing and sacrificing. The bleeding of sheep is all over the city. They are bringing them in. There are smells from the blood that is being shed, the amount of blood that is being shed, the smell of all that's being burnt on the altar. There's incense burning as well. There are people praying in every corner. There are people who have come from thousands of miles away to be here during this time. They have spent all of maybe months to get there to celebrate this, to make the sacrifices, to because it's so valuable and so important. All of that is in the mind of the people, if these first century people, like Paul, who knows what it costs to go through this process, what it has taken over these centuries as these people are are sacrificing and giving everything. Something is dying to make this possible. And then it's only temporary. Even to go into the Holy of Holies, the chief priest would have an opportunity to go into that Holy of Holies to to seek mercy for the country, for the people of Israel, once a year on the Day of Atonement, which we just 
had Yom Kippur. So we have this, this whole buildup. He has to be purified. Sacrifices have to be made. He has to dress in a certain way. He has to act in a certain way. Everything has to be aligned just right before he goes in to the Holy of Holies behind that thick, giant curtain that separates the holy place from the Holy of Holies. That's how amazing this whole event is because he's going into the presence of God in that place for the people to ask forgiveness for all the sins of the nation. Once a year, it has to be repeated. Three times a year, there's a celebration where the people are all supposed to come together for different reasons, but to remember what God has done, who he is. And then the sacrifices continue always in the temple and then there's a weekly remembrance the seventh day that people would go to synagogue and worship and remember who God is and what he's done and learn more about him. This was no quick one hour we're in, we're out. I don't know if I want to go to Sunday school. I'd be two hours. I can't stand that much time going to church. I'm not sure that I really want to stick around for any stuff in an afternoon after church because that would be way too much to give I hope somebody's feeling bad just too much this takes blood it takes life it takes sacrifice this is what Paul says why the cross Galatians six fourteen. as for me may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because of that cross. My interest in this world has been crucified and the world's interest in me has also died. It all changed. Why? Why would it be about the cross? Because he knew the issues at hand, how serious sin is, how deep the separation is between God and humanity because of what Christ did, because he was God and man, because he was the only perfect human, because he could bridge the gap. It changed everything. He dies once for all, the just for the unjust, to make us right with God. Everything changed in that moment. When he dies on the cross, he sheds his blood, the holy blood of the Son of God is running down that cross. The insects are attacking him while he's on the cross. The smell of fresh blood dripping is in the air. He is dying on a cross for everyone else. For everyone else and their sins. To make it possible for people to have a real relationship with God, he was willing to sacrifice himself, his time. He was willing to take his place among humanity, to leave heaven, all the comforts, all the power, all the authority. He has all of those things in heaven, and he comes because he knows how important this change is to change everything in the cosmos, everything in the heavens, everything rested. On that cross. Everything changed. It's more than a decoration. It's more than a wall. Uh, 
piece of art. This is the cross of Christ that offers us life. And to toy with that, to put that down, to say, I just don't have time. I, you know, I've given enough to Jesus. Really? I, you don't understand. I, I've, I've given, I've driven, I've, I've, I've given, I'm thinking about, you know, I've read some Christian books and I've read the Bible some and come on. His blood is running down this cross. The Holy One of God, who didn't deserve this, who willingly goes to the cross in obedience to the Father because He loved you. So any whining we ever do, any whining we ever do, I hope we suddenly come to the realization that there's something great has happened here. And fall on our faces before the living God and confess. Because we have missed it. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. He had all the rights. This guy has his PhD. He is one of the most highly trained people in the ancient world. He sits at the top of the heap. He's not talking about his awards. He's not talking about his great training. He's not talking about all the influence he's had, the big houses he's owned, because he was in that particular realm at one time. None of it. Wow, what's it take for us? Always looking for somebody to pat us on the back, and aren't you cool, and you get to be the head of this, and the top of that, and aren't you something? And here's Jesus says, no. I think I'll just go to the cross. And Paul says, wow. I think I'll lay down all my stuff too. I think I'll put my trophies down. I think I'll just quit looking to be praised at every turn. And humble myself before the Lord God Almighty. And thank Him for His mercy. And never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. That means it's been killed. It's dead. It's no longer of great interest to him. How much of the world interests you? How much of the stuff going on in the world? What projects do you have? What drama is going on? What grabs your attention day by day so that that's what you think about and you can't sleep at night and everything's got you churned up? What's your interest in the world? Paul had all that. He's interested in all these churches and what God is doing in this world and all the people. He names them in all these different books. And he says, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. Because of the cross, because of what Jesus did, it changed his perception on all that stuff that grabs our interest as human beings. No more. And the world's interest in me also died. Wow, that changes. Here's his focus. Focus, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except 
Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. While I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. So it's about Jesus, the one who was born, the, the son of David, who's the Christ, the Messiah who's coming, the one we're told about in, in the Old Testament. He's, he's, he's coming, and he's crucified. He dies on the cross. He's paid the penalty for sin, and he's changed everything with that. I decided that while I would, I'm with you, I would forget everything except Jesus. So he's talking to Corinthians. So the church at Corinth is in the... It's situated in such a way that trade, the sailors, the people coming in the southern part of Greece are are crossing over from one part of the Roman Empire to the other. It is a powerful city filled with everything you can imagine, every shop, every nice kind of uh, store that you can just, if, if you're thinking Fifth Avenue, Rodeo Drive, all the, all the stores are happening. This is the place where that kind of trade is going on. It's also the place where these temples to other gods are situated, and they are magnificent, and they're doing a bang-up job because people are coming from all over the world to be there. You get international foods. You've got all kinds of activities back and forth. It is a draw. You can do anything and everything in Corinth. I say that because what city would you go to? You go, I'm going to go to New Orleans. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to L.A. I'm going to go. You just come up with some place. I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ. But there's, but all of these things are going on here, Paul. You've got to look around a little bit. You've got to take in some of this. I'm going to forget everything else. It's all about Jesus. It's all about who he is and what he has done on the cross. That's focus. What would it take for us? We got all these other things going on that get our attention. They pull us away. They're, They're so important that we burn up all of our energy, use all of our money, all tied up in things that are unfolding in this world. And here's Paul going, nope. And there's Jesus saying, I'll get on that cross for those people. Did he have other things he could be doing? Yeah. That's a big universe out there. And beyond that, there's all of heaven. But no, I think I'll go down there, go through this horror for their sake. Because I love them. Decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Now, here's something that's just amazing. Jesus comes and offers his life, gives gives his life on the cross on our behalf. And you'd think God would just be mad at everybody just because everybody's gone off the rails. And, and that's, that's a common thing today. I don't know, if, depending on where you are in, 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 in thinking of prophecy and Jesus is coming back, and, and he is coming back, but in thinking of Jesus coming back, one of the common 
directions that goes is, look how bad the world is. God must be angry, therefore Jesus will come back. It's always coming back to God's angry, Jesus is coming back, God was angry then, he's coming back. Jesus. Well, Jesus came, and he will judge, and injustice will be dealt with, and justice will reign, and all those things are coming. And in bits and pieces now. But what he did do for our sake when he came is so amazing. It's it's his mission. Do you know the verse after John 3.16? The verse after. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. He didn't come to drop a hammer. He came to save He came to save. He came to rescue. He came to offer help that was unavailable anywhere else. Jesus had to be on the cross. He's looking for a way to communicate to people. He's not saying everybody's sin is okay. Nope. Everything will be judged. Everything will be held accountable. All those things will come. But he came to save He's still trying to save. He's still trying to build his family. He's still trying to reach as many people as he can. So he's still in the business of pulling together people. Because God so loved the world, he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. He's still doing that. It's about him on the cross, paying a penalty and making it possible Uh, for us and for those around us in this world so where are you where are you there is a uh, an illustration called the bridge that shows on one side of a chasm this this uh, huge deep sort of bottomless pit in the middle but on one side is humanity so we've got People who are, uh, according to Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're all in this mess. Romans 6.23 says that the consequences of sin is death. So we're separated from God. Death is on the horizon. We are caught in our own sin. And I don't really have any sin. According to 1 John, if we say we don't have sin, we're calling God a liar. and We're liars we got a problem, which is just saying the reality is we got, we got sin. we got issues. We've got problems. We got, we're not listening to God because he has something to say to us that goes far beyond our opinion in those areas. Uh, rebellion is there. Uh, we're following in the steps of those other beings, the divine beings who rebelled against God, Satan and and his cronies, there's rebellion there, and then there's a rebellion among people going, I don't want to hear, don't want to hear it, God. Don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear what you've got to say about that. I just want to do my thing my way and just get out of my way. So rebellion, that's the side on, on one side. The far side is where God is, eternity, uh, heaven, all that on, on the other side. And God is offering peace uh, in opposition to the chaos that exists on the 
opposite side. He's offering forgiveness of sins. He's offering a, a connection, a relationship with him. He's offering, as Jesus said, abundant life. And that's available to those who follow him. And everlasting life. So it doesn't end. It just keeps on going. It starts now, it keeps going. That is all available. Christ is the way we get across. That's why it's called the bridge. This bottomless chasm is not passable by being good, by being following certain rules. It's not the hoops we, that we jump through. It's believing in Jesus' only way. It's the only way to get over there is to believe in him, trust in him, trust in what he has done or what God has done to make this possible. And by doing that, move across and enter into this life. It was so powerful that Paul said, that just wrecked my life. That everything else doesn't even come close. In fact, I'm going to call it all garbage by comparison to this. And there's nothing. I mean, if I'm going to brag about something, it's going to be about Christ and the cross. And if I'm going to think about something, if I'm going to focus on something, if I'm going to be all uptight about something, it's going to be Jesus and the cross. If I'm going to be caught up in the drama of life with a bunch of people, it's going to be about Jesus and the cross. Because that's what's made the difference. That's where abundant life is. That's where everlasting life is. And I want to live that. It is so life-changing that when John was invited to go to heaven, Jesus shows up, remember, on the island of Patmos and says, John, I've got something I want you to write down. Come with me. And so he goes to heaven and and he gets to observe. So he's there with God the Father on the throne and there's some issues about opening some books nobody can open the books and then in comes the lamb in comes Jesus and he can open him he's he's the one who can do that and there's a song that comes out of that this is found in uh, Revelation 5 9 Jesus is worthy And they sang a new song with these words. You are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it. For you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus, to take the scroll, break its seals, open it. Why? We're back to the cross. You were slaughtered. Your blood has ransomed See what happened? That's the price that was paid. It took blood. Ransom people for God from every tribe, every language, and people, and nation. Globally. Everywhere. In all times. And he's bought them, bought us. And he is worthy. I hope you never... Just let that pass or just decorate with a cross or just say, you know, I think I've sacrificed enough on his behalf. I've given him a little bit of time, a little bit of thought. I think that's enough. Not yet. Not ever. Worthy. 
worthy. For you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. He's the one. His sacrifice. That's why Paul Kazak could never boast about anything else but the cross. Just the cross and what Christ did. Application. Practicing dimensional living. We are in touch with a supernatural being in a spiritual life. He's with us and he can be in all these different places because he is a unique being. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, everywhere present. And yet he is listening, he is personal, he is with us wherever we are. Dimensional living. So what can we do? We worship Jesus. We worship him. He's worthy. He's worthy of some attention. Well, I really like jazz, or I like soft rock, or I like country, or I like... How about listening to some songs that honor him? How about reading some things that honor him? Because he's worthy. Worship Jesus. Embrace the life bought with Jesus' blood. Embrace the life bought with Jesus' blood. He outlines so much in the scriptures so we can have a clue as to how do we do that? How do we get ready for the life to come? The everlasting life that's still around the corner. How do we live that life now? How do we begin? And it's going to be in the book. It's going to be in... uh, Interaction with others when the Holy Spirit is speaking and learn and train and, and live the life that he's, he's uh, laid out for us in this life, in this world. Embrace the life bought with Jesus' blood. And it's from there that we turn to the Lord's Supper. Dwight, if you would, we have some special cups to hand out. Well, we can remember him and what he's done, what he is working, how he is engaging us, how he is touching our lives. When we are entering into this moment, we're celebrating him. We're, we are remembering, as we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, we are remembering, to, just going back to what he told his friends the night before he was crucified and he said, this is, this is going to represent some important elements. It's going to sum up th- some things about life. It's going to tell you something that's to come. And he's telling them at a Passover meal. So go back with me to the time when that was important. There's something about life that's given. The blood of the lamb on that first Passover was taken and used as paint to put around the door of the places that the people of Israel lived in order to protect them from the angel that was coming to take the firstborn. 
So the Egyptians didn't trust God. They had other gods. They didn't paint their doors with the blood of lambs. Even the people of Israel were probably skeptical as to how this would work, and they hadn't seen an actual angel come through and take firstborn before either. So they're trusting that this is legit. They paint with blood. The lamb had to die. The blood is painted on their door. The angel comes, the first firstborn of the family and of the animals die. The firstborn the firstborns of Egypt lead to a great cry, and the people of Israel could hear it, as they said in their houses, and their firstborn is still with them. Because God went over them and they had life. They leave that place to see God do miraculous things. What does the blood do for you? It protects you. It gives you life. There's death out there. This is life. And Jesus tells them while they're celebrating that event with the meal, the Passover meal, that it is now going to represent his blood, not the lamb's blood back then, but his blood that takes away the sin of the world. And you get to be part of it. So he's going to supply everything we need. That's the bread. And he's going to make it possible for us to have a right relationship with God, dealing with, overcoming supernatural and spiritual forces of darkness in order to live life in the light. All of that's happening. We're going to celebrate that as well. Open that top part. You'll find unleavened bread. That bread is indicating a fast trip out of Egypt for those at Passover. It represents, in Jesus' day, his body broken for you. Take and eat. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for offering up your body, uh, suffering as you did. And you didn't have to, ever, but you chose to do that for us. You are indeed worthy. Thank you for that. Amen. On the other end, you'll find fruit of the vine representing the blood of Christ, which takes away sin. He died once for all, the just for the unjust, in order that he might bring us to God, and he, his blood shed on that cross has paid the penalty for sin for all. Take and drink. Lord, thank you for the mercy that we have received from you. You are not holding us um, down with sin, with guilt. You have set us free to live life, to live life to the fullest, to live an abundant life, and it's possible because of what you did on that cross. May we never boast about anything 
except the cross of Christ. Oh, what an amazing, amazing thing happened there. Your grace is indeed uh, amazing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. he could ever ask of God. Do you think Moses knew what he asked? God answered, you cannot see my face and live. Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. We cannot handle God's glory. We cannot survive it. We must be hidden. But where? Be hidden by his scars. Be hidden by the hole in his side. Be hidden by his finished work at Calvary. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time, apart from sin, for salvation.
When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen.